Hey everyone, I'm David Chalian, the CNN political director. This is the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. In this special episode, we're exploring how impeachment and the 2020 presidential race collide. To help me in that endeavor, I'm joined by my colleague, a CNN political reporter who lives and breathes all things 2020, Dan Merica. Thanks for joining me, sir. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. So it is uh, mind-boggling as I think about our lives in the month of January uh, because in a presidential election year, as you know, Dan, January is already an insane month uh, with so many candidates out there in Iowa and New Hampshire before the voting begins in February. And it is just um, a pace that is insane for us. And now we're going to add an impeachment trial to that. So uh, while we are in the final four weeks before the voting begins, uh, America is also going to be tuning into this impeachment trial. And it matters most, perhaps, to the five candidates. I think there are five, maybe four. You'll correct me if I'm wrong, who are sitting in the United States Senate They need to be jurors in this trial. They'd much rather be on the campaign trail. We're talking about Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Amy Klobuchar, Cory Booker, Michael Bennett. There are five. Look at that. So um, nailed it. Yeah. So um, you have five presidential candidates who will not be able to be out on the campaign trail, meeting with voters, shaking hands, getting their message out there. Instead, they're going to be trapped every day inside the Senate as jurors in this trial. And my question to you, because I know you've reported on this, is. How are they going to plan for that? How What are they going to do? So all the candidates seem to be taking different tacks. Some think that they could fly in the morning to Iowa or fly at night to Iowa and use, I mean, use private planes, use private plane travel that gets them directly from D.C. to Des Moines, to Cedar Rapids, to Dubuque, wherever they need to go, and then fly back for the trial and do both at the same time. To me, as somebody who flies to Iowa often, that's especially in January, That seems like a tall task. And the trial, just so folks know, is usually going, I think, from noon to 6 p.m. every day. So the idea is you could do maybe like an early morning thing, get on local coverage, because a lot of what they do in Iowa is to get on the local stations, the local newspapers that get out there. That's where the second aspect of this comes in. And I think this is something that a lot of candidates just don't know is how impeachment will overshadow in terms of coverage in, in Iowa will overshadow the caucus process. Obviously, all these small newspapers, all these all these TV outlets have reporters that go out and cover these events. But if five minutes of their TV time every night are dedicated to impeachment, what does that mean for candidates who aren't named Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, Joe Biden, Pete Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar? Those candidates that need a stronger showing in Iowa to validate why they're still in the race. What does that mean to them if they're not getting on local coverage and they're struggling? Like a Cory Booker is a good example. If he's having to fly back and forth, spending a lot of money that, frankly, his campaign may not have, and then not getting coverage in local press, how do you press on after that? Is that is brutal. I mean, just if you are a campaign manager looking at that, that is brutal. This yeah. is just an unwelcome obstacle, no doubt. And yet, to a person, if you ask any of them, they understand they have a constitutional duty and responsibility to be sitting in that United States Senate, hearing this evidence and and delivering a verdict. And their counter narrative or what they will say is that maybe it's good to be on national television debating impeachment of President Trump in terms of the national narrative of this race. And they are, they're seen on TV. They're able to do live the hits. 
Yes. Okay. Fine. They're, They're able, able to do, do live edits, but there's no talking in the trial. Yes. They don't get to debate impeachment yes. during the course of the trial. They have to sit silently. But you you would you would assume that if you are an Amy Klobuchar, for example, you would basically set up a satellite studio in your office and do live hits for every single local outlet in Iowa, in New Hampshire, and the same for the others as well. Uh, do I think that breaks through? I'm not sure. I think it's an unanswered question. And how do voters respond to that in a state where you know the the, the adage in Iowa is. Uh, I haven't decided who I'm going to vote for. I've only met a couple of them twice. Where they need to meet multiple candidates multiple times to decide who they're going to caucus for. Uh, in a state where that is that is paramount, how does how does that impact? Uh, not being there yeah. and, and not the other, having that FaceTime. The other adage in Iowa is, of course, uh, organize, 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 and get hot at the end. And it's hard to get hot at the end uh, if you're not in Iowa and if you're sitting uh, in Washington. And and does that benefit candidates like a Pete Buttigieg, a Joe Biden, an Andrew Yang? I mean, undoubtedly it must, Who are right? able to basically go on month-long bus tours through Iowa if they really wanted to and have the state very much to themselves. If these can't, if these senators aren't able to jump back and forth like they expect, aren't able to use private planes, and you have Joe Biden and Pete Buttigieg and Andrew Yang dominating time in the state, what does that mean for that those campaigns, those fate, those those one-on-one meetings that they have with caucus goers who are certain to caucus? Does that make it more likely that they'll line up with them on on caucus night? I, you have to assume it does. And how does that change the race? I hope none of those private planes have a wine cave in them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I will. Um, I want to take you back uh, on the campaign trail, back to the spring, because I think it's instructive uh, to listen to Elizabeth Warren back at a CNN town hall in April. This is long before Donald Trump got on the phone with Zelensky in Ukraine to pressure him to investigate the Bidens. Long before. We are just in the realm of Bob Mueller wrapping up his investigation uh, into potential collusion and obstruction of justice, uh, issuing his report. But I will tell you, when I speak to people uh, very familiar with the Warren campaign operation and the trajectory of her candidacy, they point to this moment as one of the critical moments in the success she had for much of 2019. Take a listen to Elizabeth Warren on impeachment. If there's going to be any accountability, that accountability has to come from the Congress. And the tool that we are given for that accountability is the impeachment process. This is not about politics. This is about principle. This is about what kind of a democracy we have. That was an argument that a lot of liberals rallied around. Yeah, it it inspired people. And you saw her rise shortly after that. Maybe it happened during her rise, but it certainly continued her upward trajectory. I asked her about that at at a labor town hall Uh, gaggle after the town hall in Michigan. And I asked her whether she came out too early, whether she decided how she was going to vote on impeachment before actually hearing the arguments in, you know, in the Senate. And her argument was basically, no, that's ridiculous, because I've heard all the 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 evidence that has been that has been put out in the media that has been put out in the House. And I know how I'm going to vote. So why wouldn't I say that? Obviously, that rallies her base. It rallies liberals. It rallies people she needs, especially in the primary, to be with her. The other the other way to take that is an Amy Klobuchar route, who is saying, look, I know what he's done. I know I've seen what has happened, but I don't know what how I'm going to vote yet because I need to hear the evidence. Right. The other thing I think uh, 
that that did for Warren. It was just a clear differentiator. Yeah. All of the other major contenders for the nomination were not there yet. They they just weren't. So she got out fast in front after that Mueller report uh, was issued and and just separated herself from the pack. When in those early stages, moments like that, when you can do that successfully, truly matter. Dan, stay right there. We have plenty more to discuss because the Ukraine matter uh, obviously unfolded as the campaign was heating up. We'll continue the conversation on the other side of this break. Welcome back to the Daily DC Impeachment Watch. I'm David Chalian. Reporter Dan Merica is still with me. We're discussing the collision of the impeachment matter with the final stages of the 2020 campaign before the voting begins. When voters actually get to weigh in here, this Democratic nomination race is moving to an entirely new phase now as we turn the calendar to 2020. Dan, there was a debate among these Democratic contenders uh, in October. It was the first debate. After Nancy Pelosi had come out calling for an impeachment inquiry, after the Ukraine matter was very much in the public sphere and after, quite frankly, a lot of these candidates uh, had started coming out in favor of impeachment. But as you know, from being on the trail, uh, this is not an issue that they talk about a ton. This is not an issue voters ask a ton about. They do focus on a whole host of other issues, healthcare. The economy, what have you, uh, other matters, climate change. But clearly on the national stage uh, during a debate, this was going to be topic number one. This was in uh, Westerville, Ohio. And I want you to hear how Bernie Sanders tackled this issue of impeachment. I think that it is absolutely imperative to go forward with impeachment. I hope that he is impeached. But I think what would be a disaster if the American people believe that all we were doing is taking on Trump. And we're forgetting that 87 million Americans are uninsured or underinsured. We're forgetting about the existential threat of climate change. We are forgetting about the fact that half of our people are living paycheck to paycheck. So what we have got to do is end this corruption, set a precedent for future history that says presidents like this cannot behave this way. But we cannot and must not Turn our backs on the pain of the working class of this country. So, Dan, right there, you see that Bernie Sanders really didn't want to spend a lot of time talking about impeachment, even though this is only just a couple weeks after the impeachment inquiry started. It's not his message. I mean, it's that it's that simple. It's not his message. And a lot of these contenders are arguing we need to beat Donald Trump at the ballot box, not necessarily in the United States Senate. And it's because they're not asked about it. And I know this is surprising to people who watch TV or read or constantly on Twitter. It's just not asked about. Very rarely do you have somebody who lines up to come to a town hall, who takes the time out of their day, who maybe takes off work and gets a, and, and only a few of these people get a chance to ask a candidate a question. Very rarely do they take that time to ask about impeachment. Often they ask, I'm struggling to pay my health care bills. I'm struggling to pay my rent. My student debt is at $100,000. When people are presented with the chance to ask Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, all these candidates a question, they ask very personal questions that often tell a story about who they are and how they've gotten to, to this point. I've seen candidates get surprised when they're asked about impeachment. I mean, Tulsi Gabbard was asked about impeachment in New Hampshire and truly looked like she was shocked that it came up because it's just something that, that, that she doesn't get asked about. I asked her after the event, 
How often does that happen? And she said, that's the first time in months. And this is while it's being covered constantly on television. And every time any one of them sits down to do an interview, Absolutely. they get asked about it. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Uh, but yeah, it's just, it is this weird divergence. Uh, and it makes sense, right? Voters care about how things are going to impact their lives. And impeachment is not something on a daily basis that is impacting their life. I think it matters to voters. But I think there's something that happens when a, can- when a voter gets to a town hall, is handed a microphone and says, you can ask anything you want. I think that they, they want to go personal. They want to ask something that impacts them, not necessarily something that is, you know, broader political conversation question. Now, you say it wasn't Bernie Sanders' message. It's not a huge part of Pete Buttigieg's message either. But listen to how he ties in to what is a key part of his message, which is sort of envisioning life after Trump and inevitably uh impeachment uh, puts that kind of concept to the front of mind for voters. This is at the same uh, CNN debate in October. Here's Pete Buttigieg. Remember, one way or the other, this presidency is going to come to an end. I want you to picture what it's going to be like, what it's actually going to feel like in this country the first day the sun comes up after Donald Trump has been president. It starts out feeling like a happy thought. This particular brand of chaos and corruption will be over. But Really think about where we'll be, vulnerable, even more torn apart by politics than we are right now. And these big issues, from the economy to climate change, have not taken a vacation during the impeachment process. I'm running to be the president who can turn the page and unify a dangerously polarized country while tackling those issues that are going to be just as urgent then as they are now. These issues have not taken a vacation during the impeachment process, he says. Yeah, I mean, he's playing directly to those those voters who come to a town hall and ask him about something else because he knows that's what these voters really care about when it comes down to it, especially on a, on a local level in Iowa, New Hampshire and elsewhere. Also, this is Pete Buttigieg's message kind of distilled is he's not only this in this paragraph, you see him make the argument that, A, he is the kind of president that can unite people, unite Republicans and Democrats around certain issues. It's a subtle knock against people like Elizabeth Warren that he's made more since this has made more forcefully that he he claims, you know, she's somewhat divisive, that she she pushes people away with her focus on fighting. So this argument is, is, is interesting. It's an interesting paragraph because it is it distills his message. And it also uh, is hopeful for a lot of Democrats. It's a hopeful thought for Democrats to think about life after Trump. And when he when he brings this up in event at events and at town halls, people often applaud when he says, I want you to think about the day after Donald Trump, the sun is rising. It's an applause line yeah. that, 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 is, that is kind of baked into a paragraph like this. His journey has been really remarkable on the impeachment issue because he always, always used to answer before the Ukraine matter. Uh, that's a Washington thing. And, and that that consumes Washington. And it was part of his uh, outsider status. His anti-Washington message was, I don't need to deal with impeachment. Then the Ukraine matter, he did call for the president's impeachment and removal from office. No doubt about that. But again, you see how he pivots away from that as as quickly as possible. Now, there is nobody in this field who is more directly impacted by this impeachment matter than Vice President Joe Biden, the front runner in this race. Uh, he, uh, I want you to hear him in two different scenarios here, okay? One is an interaction with a voter in Iowa where he clearly expresses uh, displeasure at what this voter is presenting, which sounds like some Fox News talking points. Uh, And then I want you to hear him at the most recent Democratic debate. Take a listen. You're selling access to the president just like he is. You're a damn liar, man. That's not true. And no one has ever said that. I didn't say you were doing anything wrong. You said I set up my son to work in an oil company. Didn't know what you said? I work straight, Jack. 
I refuse to accept the notion, as some on this stage do, that we can never, never get to a place where we have cooperation again. If that's the case, we're dead as a country. We need to be able to reach consensus. And if anyone has reason to be angry with the Republicans and not want to cooperate, it's me, the way they've attacked me and my son and my family. I have no, no, no love. But the fact is, we have to, we have to be able to get things done. Dan, when this all started, Biden wanted to sort of dismiss it and would hope it just lived in right wing echo chambers and that he wasn't really going to have to engage the president on this. But then his campaign saw an opportunity in this. We could be in a Biden versus Trump frame, which is the frame we want to be in and day in and day out to say we're the ones that can beat Trump. And what I think you saw happen, at least from these two clips in, in recent weeks, is you've seen a Joe Biden just get downright angrier about this. Yeah, for personal reasons and for professional reasons. He confronts a voter because he seems like he's taking on his family. That seems the personal reason. And at the debate, this is a very professional political reason for him where, yes, they want to be seen as the front runner, the person most likely to take on Trump, the person to most to, to, to be in that head to head general election matchup. I also think when you talk to Democratic operatives, they'll say they think Biden has benefited from this for, in a third way because those first few debates were very tense. They were attacked. He was attacked often. But now that this impeachment stuff has come up, now that that Trump has made Biden his focus, a lot of these candidates are careful with how they go after Biden because they don't want to be seen as doing Trump's work. They don't want to be seen as taking on the candidate that is also being taken on by Trump. And so you've seen in these last, especially these last two debates, Biden has has not taken as many punches as he took in the first few debates. It also allows him uh, to be on offense, offense against yeah. Trump, but it allows him uh, to be on offense a bit more than he was able to do so in those earlier debates. I think that's a smart point that those Democratic strategists have made to you. Dan, uh, I know you think all the coverage should be what's going on in Iowa in 2020, <laughs> but there is this impeachment matter to be dealt with in January. It's going to be fascinating to watch how the two interact with each other. Thank you so much for joining me on the Daily DC Impeachment Watch, and thanks to our listeners. We're returning to our normal schedule next week. We'll have an episode every weeknight, so please make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Spotify, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And while you're there, leave us a rating or a comment. It helps people find the show. We'll see you on Monday. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.